Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, doom, doom, and more doom. <laughs> There's no way of dressing this up, is there? Well, actually, right, let's start, let's start with the relative positive from the uh, Christmas period. We've got four games to talk about. We've had, we've not really had a bit of a break because there's been that many games. We've just not had a chance to get together and record. So we've got four games to go over. We'll start with uh, Bristol City, which does feel like a long time ago now, although it was, what, less than a couple of weeks ago? Um, and that one uh, was the the sole victory of Christmas for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and I think I noted afterwards that when you can... <laughs> When you can win when you're not playing very well, then you know you're onto something good. <laughs> uh, and that, that worked out well, didn't it? It did, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, that, that, they deserved a win there, uh, absolutely, on that day. Um, but even with Bristol City, I think some people would still look at it and go that it was a very dubious penalty. Um, some refs well, would give it, and then yeah. quite a few wouldn't. Uh, I, I can barely remember it other than being, oh, it was the Atty thing, wasn't yeah. it, where it was kind of, yeah, it's the kind of thing where you look at it and you think, all right, actually, it, it is a foul, it, it is, is a foul, yeah. but most refs would say it's not enough for a penalty, or it's just a bit, and, and I, to be honest, my original question was, it looked like it was outside the box. When you watch it back and you think, yeah, all right, the initial contact probably is inside, but again, most refs would bottle it, wouldn't they, and just go, all right, it's free kick on the edge of the box. It's, it's rare that you get those refs that, that give things like that. So we, we did get that little bit of look there after it wasn't a vintage Wednesday performance it wasn't a vintage game of football really yeah. was it Bristol City also weren't 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 fantastic and I know they're on a, a pretty dismal run now aren't they after uh, after that one yeah uh, Bristol City were really disappointing on the day yeah. Uh, but yeah take nothing away from Wednesday they, they got the the job done and a, and a clean sheet uh, and at that point yeah you're thinking uh, Wednesday are up to third uh, and uh, looking at the top two at that point, so uh, all was rosy. It, it really was, yeah. So that was a a very good early Christmas present that one. Uh, but they, they got the they, as I said, they got the job done. Uh, Barry Bannon probably was the standout performer of the day. He had, you know he had one of his best games. In fact, not for the first time where he's really turned it on when Wednesday've been on TV this season. I think that's the third time maybe he's won Man of the Match. Award, but yeah, I mean, he, he did like run death taxes, Barry well, Bannon get man of the match when Wednesday mm, on Sky, but he did Three run midfield on that day, yeah. Um, uh, but then, yeah, and then of course, things have gone a little bit pear shaped. Let's let's dwell on the positives for as long as we can. <laughs> Anything else from the Bristol City game? <laughs> no, I think we've covered it now. I think we've covered it, yeah. No, they, were, they were third, yes, they were third. So we went third in the table, and then yeah. um, we had... Uh, did you have a good Christmas? Uh, yeah, really good Christmas, good. yeah. I was in high spirits and everything, yeah. <laughs> and off, off to Stoke on um, on Boxing Day. And, I mean, the, it, Wednesday didn't train on Christmas Day. No. And I remember when I saw that thinking, oh, that's a bit of a surprise. And someone's mentioned to me since actually we've not trained on the last few Christmas days. It's not unusual for Wednesday to not train on Christmas Day. I don't know if that's true or not. I think the, um, the, uh, the five previous years they'd never trained on Christmas Day. Okay. And, and Wednesday going into Stoke had a phenomenal <laughs> record <laughs> yeah, on did, Boxing yeah. Day. I think it was Sh- only like one defeat yeah. in ten. Uh, and it might have been seven wins. Uh, and, and then I think actually... I've done the stats. They hadn't conceded on Boxing Day uh, in the five previous years. Uh, so you just knew, really, that that's what was going to happen, yeah, didn't we you? We certainly put that one to rights, didn't we? Um, 
So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it did look to me like a team that hadn't trained the day before. Wednesday were kind of second to everything. Stoke looked fitter. They looked more up for it. Um, they all round just looked better. Uh, uh, there is that moment where, where Tom Lee scores that second goal. And I just worry whether or not that actually might be the high point of the season at that point. We're third in the table. We're playing awful at Stoke. We've just gone 2-1 up. And you just think, this is our year. Um, and as you know, as, it, as the clock ticks down and you just start thinking, we're going to get away with this. Stoke go and equalise and you think, oh, it's, probably, it's probably fair. And then, you know, we all know what happens after after that. And, and it has been kind of unilaterally rubbish from, from that point onwards, hasn't it, for, for Wednesday? You know, there was a, a real turning point in that match and conceding those two late goals has really knocked the stuffing out of, uh, out of Wednesday. But thinking specifically about the Stoke game, you almost can't really argue with it, could you? I think even if, if Wednesday'd have won, it would have been a, you know a kind of a smash and grab result. A draw, you'd have thought actually, you know, we've we've probably just about done enough to get a point. And then when so when you think it's hard to argue with it because we just we weren't up to it, we weren't good enough. James, it would have been a travesty if Wednesday had left Stoke with anything. They deserved nothing. They didn't. It's, it's hard it, to argue it, it with was, that. It, it is hard was, to argue. Uh, other than Cameron Dawson. Stoke was an inept performance. It was. And uh, Gary Monk, as he has done for the last three matches, pulled no punches after Stoke. And for him to come out and say that uh, they got what they deserved, I think tells you everything you need to know. And it was eerily familiar and similar to Blackburn away, that throwing the weed in the dying minutes. And you know, seven added on and to concede twice... Um, no excuses and, and it's old ground isn't it it's like Groundhog Day that we're covering of where this is one of the oldest teams in the championship and so to not be able to see matches out like that to, to come away with nothing is inexcusable yeah. yeah when you when you score twice away from home you shouldn't be losing um, and when you're 2-1 up with a few minutes to go you definitely should be coming away with a minimum of a point. Yeah. It's almost like it doesn't... It, w- it was a bad performance by Wednesday, but it, al- it almost seems irrelevant that when you're 2-1 up going into, what was it, like the fourth minute of injury time, then you sort of think, it, it, it doesn't matter if you've had the best performance or the worst performance in the world. You win that football match. Teams just shouldn't. And, and, and we seem to we did seem to have got over this issue of giving away late goals. But as you say, I mean... To, to concede one and to think right we're going to have to settle for a point and that you know that's that's kind of like the it's not even a warning sign is it because you've you've already conceded but then to still be asleep and to concede that that second and there were bad goals to concede oh, as well horrendous the only plus points I could take away from Stoke uh, was Cameron Dawson's performance in that he did not deserve to finish on the losing team he kept Wednesday in it made a number of good saves I thought subs Sam Winnell Jake Murphy thought they came on and looked bright-ish. They they certainly made improved we Wednesday better with, and then scored. Would win all on the pitch. Yeah, and then scored from the the two corners. Good deliveries from Barry Bannon, but the winning goal. I I, I still can't figure out how Dominic Iorfa's ended up facing his own goal to head it towards his own goal. Uh, from the set piece um, and yeah Sam Vokes fair play to him for being Johnny on the spot 
Um, but they they only won the corner in the first place because yeah, Cameron Dawson had to make another great save to deny Sam Vokes. So the warning signs were there. They weren't heeded. We expected then a reaction, didn't we, from Wednesday uh, for Cardiff. But again, it didn't quite materialise. Well, that was when you take the back end of that Stoke game and the beginning of the Cardiff game. It's it's basically 10 minutes, isn't it, that Wednesday conceded four goals. Yeah. Um, you tweeted that. I mean, yeah. I, I did. Um, and, and as did other people as well that kind of yeah. made the point. And it's, it's, I think it's slightly more than 10 minutes. But it, it, it just... It's something we've not really done this season in terms of starting games really badly. Finishing games badly has been an issue, but starting games like that, handing a team a two-goal lead, that's that's a bit of a new one. Um, you know, we, we, but it, it, I mean, that was shocking. That first ten minutes, we were just asleep. And Gary Monk saying the right things, something's not working. Something's not happening there. When when you've conceded two late on. The, the the thing that you absolutely make sure that, that team is is doing is that they are on the ball from the the first kick in the next game that they are absolutely you know one hundred percent totally and utterly aware of what is going on that the the concentration is there that every, everything is there um, and, but, but and we, we, actually, we just looked to sleep Wednesday actually started off from memory all right against Cardiff I think we but, created a chance didn't we yeah, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, I thought there was a, you know, a couple of decent sort of passing moves and passages of play, uh, but the opener, they weren't, Fast they weren't ready for it. They were, yeah, we, quick we free kick. We weren't switched it? on. Undone, yeah. And Lee Tomlin for the second time this season was the chief tormentor. God, I hate him. Uh, he, I he's hate one of those. He's, so he's, he sort of reminds me a little bit of like a Chris Maguire, really, isn't he? Where you love him when he plays for you, but he's an irritant when yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's on the opposition's team. And he, he but he's a re- he's a very good player at this level. Yeah, I mean, it, you have to say it. Um, and he has been for years. He sort of lost his way, but then since Neil Harris has gone in at Cardiff, um, he's looked a guy transformed. Um, but you, you can't home or away you can't give teams in the championship gifts and that's what Wednesday did with Cardiff you know, to concede two quick fire goals and, and they actually pulled the one back with Tom Lees pretty quickly you know three goals in the first 20 minutes wasn't it uh, but they gave themselves too much to do and, and they really missed Stephen Fletcher that day you know of this period I think if Stephen Fletcher had been fully fit and if he'd been able to go toe-to-toe with Sol Bamba who was a giant at the back in every sense of the word for Cardiff maybe things could have been a bit different Wednesday certainly they didn't the ball didn't stick up front um anywhere no. near as much as it would have done if Stephen Fletcher had been there against Cardiff I find it really hard to talk about it without using the word inept on the basis that I accept that we miss Stephen Fletcher, but we we can't do this. We can't we can't say if Stephen Fletcher's not there, then we just don't really create. Um, It'd also and, be and very first, worrying too if you if we're going. You know, Stephen Fletcher's now in the twilight of his career. Yeah, he's top scorer, but Wednesday should not be relying on Stephen Fletcher. And, and um, we've got we've got to be able to cope without him. Stephen Fletcher picks up injuries. It happens. It's happened throughout his time at, at, at Wednesday, and that's not a criticism. It's just stating fact. And he will miss more games this season through injury. It will happen. It's it's absolutely inevitable. And we can't just kind of go well when Fletcher doesn't play then. 
we've not really got anything. That's mm. that's a real, real concern. And that second half against Cardiff, yep, they'd, they'd gone... One up, uh, they've gone 2 0 up. We pulled the goal back, and the momentum should swing then back towards us. If we'd have got a second goal before half time, it might have been a different second half, but it, it shouldn't really matter. You know, we've got the goal back, we're back in the game going into half time. Um, and that second half just it, it wasn't the tempo didn't seem to be there, there seemed to be a bit of a lack of desire, and I think it even rubbed off on the crowd. The way, strange thing was when when the assistant held up the board for seven minutes added on time, we're 2-1 down at home. That should have got a roar from the crowd going seven minutes left again. And there was just nothing. And I think there was just this acceptance of it's not happening today. This is not happening. Um, and that's really bad. And, and I can't remember a game this season where we've had that. Even when we've been behind, you've still sort of thought, you know, there's, there's a chance we can get back into it. There was just this acceptance by about, probably about 20 minutes still to go in that game. There, it, it, it just sat there just thinking... We're not getting anything out of this. There's a real negativity around the place um, at the moment for a number of reasons, aren't there? You know, the off the field is is the big one, and I think what we've seen with the two home matches over the festive period is that's for me definitely filtered through onto the pitch, uh, and that atmosphere. Uh, it, it, you know, it was very quiet at times there's no doubt about it and uh, the players didn't give the fans enough to shout about but it's a huge worry moving forward especially when Wentz have been actually when you look at the record up to the last two home matches they've been strong at Hillsborough you know only lost once and they hadn't been beaten since the end of August so it's back to back defeats uh, and, and the gates uh, on New Year's Day, you know, I think that's that's the hierarchy will be looking at that and thinking that's a huge worry. Definitely, that crowds are dwindling, and they shouldn't be when you look at the team yeah. where they are in the table. You know, they're very much in the promotion race. We don't know what's going to happen with the EFL charge. Of course, that's the black cloud that is hanging over the club. But that shouldn't affect attendance, should it? And and you you're right there in terms of tapping in. So I, I think yeah. I saw somewhere that was it five thousand down on New Year's mm. Day last year. And you know, when we beat Bristol City and we go third in the league, you think that's the point that people yep. go, Oh, I'll buy a ticket then. Um and he, he, you know, if someone does buy a ticket and still doesn't turn up, it still counts. They still add that on, don't they? So, like, to, to still be five thousand down on twelve mm. months ago when the team, in in theory, certainly on paper, are doing a lot better. That's got to be that. That's a, a real, real worry. It's, it's a real kind of nosedive feeling here, isn't it? That it just feels like mm. everything's just falling apart a bit. Well, I wouldn't go that extreme. Yeah, you still look at where they are on the table. But yeah, clearly, if Wednesday could get a heavy points deduction, and then that turns them from being top six candidates into relegation um, contenders, <laughs> then yeah, the, the, this season could dramatically go the other way. Um, it's a real test now. There's, there's no getting away from it. That after three defeats in a row, first time it's happened, I think, since November 2018. Um, and and of course the big one or, or one of the toughest tests that you could get is is the the next league challenge at Leeds. So um, we have actually seen over the years that's where the players have risen to the occasion. They've actually done yeah. quite well. If you think of the Newcastle's and Brighton and uh, and Leeds 
as well from time to time. So maybe it might bring the best out of them. You've got to hope that there's going to be a bit of a reaction, really. It it feels a long way from that 4-0 win mm. at Forest at the moment. It feels a, That feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll chat a bit about the Brighton game and, and how, you know, best for Wednesday to approach this period coming up in, in a bit. Um, Hull then on New Year's Day, we've talked a bit about the atmosphere being a bit flat. Um, the performance wasn't much better. <laughs> In fact, it was probably less than less than w- worse than flat. I thought Cardiff was the best of a very bad bunch in in terms of performance. If Wednesday hadn't given themselves so much to do early on, you know, Wednesday should have they deserved something from Cardiff. Uh, and the fact that Cardiff's away record is so poor, uh, to lose that was very disappointing. Cardiff fans did take great pleasure in uh, pointing out to us throughout the game. Yes, yes, they did. Um, But, yeah, just Hull, I didn't think Hull were that great either. No, it wasn't. Uh, It wasn't a great great game of football. I mean, there is a point that we've got to kind of touch on here, which is that every team is going to be suffering a bit from this kind of Christmas. It's almost like Christmas hangover, isn't it? When you've got so many games together, the championship is so competitive. Everyone is so tight in terms of the fact that it's real fine margins between the teams that are on the cusp of the the, the top six and the teams that are on the cusp of the relegation zone. There's not huge amounts of difference between them. And we've seen no, there isn't this, this season again that it is tight. Anyone can beat anyone. And that's always the case in the championship, but even more so this time. There's two teams that are kind of running away with things. Beyond that, everyone else, there's just this mass of teams that are all of a very similar sort of level. Um, and so I think we saw... The, the the Wednesday game on New Year's Day was similar to a lot of the championship games on New Year's Day in terms of perhaps being a little bit void of that much quality. There were a few teams that have strength in depth that really turned it on and we saw a few teams that came away with big wins on New Year's Day. And it highlighted for me that we, um, we, we either don't have strength in depth or, for whatever reason, there's players that Gary Monk just does not trust. Hmm. I, I, I even thought I the think performance in the first the half... I, I thought it, it suited Kieran Lee. It suited mm. someone that could actually run with the ball a bit because it it wasn't working for Bannon. Um, Hutch didn't have a, a, a great game and I, I, he seemed to kind of adopt that kind of just being so desperate to try and make something happen that he was just running around and achieving very little. The, the one they missed was Massimo Luongo. Absolutely. Uh, Luongo's dying. But we know what Kieran Lee can do as well. And, and, yeah. and it just felt like, you know, we, we were playing it long and it wasn't working. We're knocking it around the back and it's not working. Um, Barry Bannon's coming deep all the time. And then that wasn't really creating anything. And this is it. Barry Bannon has struggled and he's not the only one since Bristol City. And you're right. In central midfield, that's where they have the options. That's actually where the the blessed and up front of, of where you think they've got loads of players they can call upon. You had Joey Pellipessi there as well, if you want a defensive-minded option, or Kieran Lee. But I think this comes back to the point you, you, you made there, and I think you're right. It's more that Gary Monk has now been here for, what, around four months. He clearly doesn't fancy or trust... Kieran Lee or Joey Pellipessi as they've barely had any game time under him certainly in the last few months the the three in the midfield pecking order are certainly Hutchinson, Bannon and Luongu that's what he seems to be going with um, but it's weird isn't it you, you look at it and you think Wednesday have got plenty of 
players in central midfield and up front. But then the weak in other areas, like out wide, you know, Adam Reach is is having a poor season. But they're still playing him, really, as they don't have many wide options. And, and Kadeem Harris, his form has fluctuated. I actually thought he was one, of, yeah, along with Dominic Iorfa, I think they were probably Wednesday's two standout performers against Hull. Not saying much, but you know, if anyone was going to make anything happen for Wednesday against Hull, I thought it was Kadeem Harris. But he's played every single match this yeah. season. He looked shattered to me. It looked like he just. Well, not I mean, got first half, who was put, who put the crosses in? Who had the one off the line? Um, I, I, I definitely think he has looked tired uh, over the last month or two. There's been the old match where I feel as if it's maybe caught up with him, uh, where they could have done with resting him. But who else have they got? Jacob Murphy is another one who's been inconsistent. Like Adam Reach, they've blown hot and cold. Out wide, Wednesday, on the right particularly, it's it's been a problem area. I've said it before. As well as now, full, you know, fullback is another area where you look at right and left back. He he puts I offer to right back, which I agreed with to bring Julian Burner back in, who we know what he's capable of. But it, it shows the lack of faith he's got in Moses Odebajo, who's played a lot at right-back this season, and that's down to his form and performances in the first half of the season. So there's there's too many who I just think are off the game, or certainly have been over this festive period. Yeah. It looked... I mean, Gary Munt's kind of moaned a bit, hasn't he, about them not having much opportunity to train. And I guess that means if, if players are coming in and going out, it means that you're not able to work too much in terms of the game plan or not as as much as you'd want to work on the game plan. I was, I was worried, worried after the, the whole game that I thought there were, defensively, there were probably some performances that you would say were better than others. And I thought, you know, as an individual, Dominic Iorfa looked... Um, perhaps a little bit more assured than some of the other back four and made some good challenges. But as a back four, it just seemed like it was really disorganised. There was a that, that lack of leadership issue kind of came up again. Julian Berner was kind of a bit of a man on the mi- on, on a mission and, and he kind of went missing a few times and, and, you know, was just trying, I think, a little bit too hard to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, I think he wanted to just waltz through the middle and whack it in the back of the net himself. And and it just seemed a bit, um, just a bit unorganised, just a bit, like, it just wasn't right. Uh, I didn't think the balance was right in the team yesterday. I, no, it, uh, it didn't look like a team that was a team, did it? No, it's just a collection of players not. that were kind of thrown together. You know, Winall and Nui, yeah. that didn't work. And that really hurt Gary Monk as well. I, you know, the, the idea of that is his teams are uh, renowned for being hard-working and well-organised, uh, but they have looked uh, ragged defensively, uh, conceding some very soft goals, as we've seen in the last three matches. Uh, they've gone backwards in that department. Uh, so... Th- there's a lot for him to ponder. There's a lot that needs addressing pretty quickly if Wednesday are going to get back to winning ways sooner rather than later. I can't remember the last time when Wednesday didn't score in in a game. I'm sure it's not that long ago, but um, the the whole game felt like the first for quite a while where Wednesday yeah. just not scored. Off the top of my head, 
Uh, I, I shouldn't really know this. I looked earlier, but no, slipped my mind. I just, worry, no, I, right. I just worry whether or not it was actually Hull away was the last time that we didn't score anything. Oh, it could, yeah. It seems yeah, like a long um, yeah. time ago. The uh, 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 This feels a bit like Groundhog Day because we've probably had this conversation, sorry. I was thinking Leeds at home, actually. Nil oh, yeah, nil the nil-nil, well, nil, yeah, could after. well be, yeah, yeah could well be. We didn't really look like scoring to me on um, on on Saturday, and I, I, I say on Saturday it wasn't Saturday, was it? I've got no New idea Year's what day. day it is today or when it was or whenever it was against Hull. We didn't really look like um, scoring, even when we freshened things up. Stephen Fletcher came on um, and offered something definitely. He, he did look like he wasn't a hundred percent. He did manage to hit the post, and that was probably as close as we came to to scoring. There was the Kadeem Harris one off the line as as well. Uh, but beyond that, again, it, it just felt, and this is kind of the story of um, Christmas, really, wasn't it? Is a, a team that just doesn't look like it's firing on all cylinders. The, the the question now is, what do we do to sort this out? Can can we identify what those problems are? Because it feels like there's quite a lot of them, and there's no one single big problem that you just go, well, that's it. If you fix that, then it solves this problem. Because the midfield looks void of ideas, lack of creativity, forwards that are not really communicating, defence which just looks really leaky, and at times just seems to just collapse and fall to bits. Um, if there's been a positive, even though we've actually been conceding goals, Cameron Dawson seems stronger, um, noticeably more vocal as a goalkeeper than he, he has been um, when he's been in the team before. You know, I can actually I can hear him shouting at his defenders now. I've never heard that before. Um, so you know, there there's a positive wingers that look tired, um, and actually, you think about that that first four or five games of the season where those wingers looked really effective. Now it just looks ineffective. Teams have figured us out the fact that, you know, how, how to nullify Kadeem Harris again, sometimes had three men on him on, um, in the whole game and, and, and was, you know, just, just pretty much kicked out of the, the game. So many little things. And if you're Gary Monk, you think, right, well, what, what do I do? What do we do to, to solve this? I think one thing that would help, raise people's spirits and lift morale as if they they could bring in maybe new face on loan definitely i I've, and i feel especially in the attacking sense it's that lack of pace at times that we've seen uh, with all the forwards they've got i've said it before i'll say it again they sold lucas schwell for very good money but he really was the only player of the of the forwards that they possess at the time who you know who has that ability to stretch defenses and running behind uh, and go go in the channels so I, I for me they have to be looking for someone who can just inject that little bit of pace into that forward line to give them something different uh who bottom line can take the burden off Stephen Fletcher. Uh, I think that's the, the real disappointment when you're looking at it after 26 matches in the championship campaign is that the top scorer has got 12. Very good return from Stephen Fletcher. The contributions though from the rest of the team, when you're saying your second top scorer has got three, it's really in some ways a bit of a miracle that Wednesday are seventh. When you think about it, you know, there's such a disparity there. Uh, you normally would associate around this time of the season, teams are up there, you'd have maybe two or three guys who'd either be in double figures or very nearly in there, whereas actually Wednesday don't. And and you still look at it at home, they haven't scored anywhere near enough this season. 
they've, they've had some pretty good results at home, but uh, it's those spankings that they've had at Forest and Middlesbrough. Yeah. They've come on on the travels, not really been scoring freely at Hillsborough all season. Another kind of worry from from that Christmas period, even with the the win against Bristol City, is that we've had you know a goal from midfield, Barry Bannon with the penalty, three goals that have come from defence, no goals from uh, the forward line. So you know four four games and not a single goal from from one of your strikers. You're not going to go anywhere when when that's happening. That's that's just not. You can't go four games without a goal from a striker. It's not. It's not good enough. Um, I, I think ideally what needs to happen. Well, I think I think what needs to happen is is this squad too experienced? Is is, is well, yes, there, is. is there an issue yeah. with motivating a squad? It needs an overhaul. We've been there and done it. A but bit. but we've talked about it before. It needs an overhaul. Realistically, the, uh, and the noise is coming out of the club right now. I don't think it's going to happen necessarily. In this window, can't really can it uh, because of the FL charge. I feel as if that's delaying it. But then you have got all those out of contract players in the summer. I really think it's going to be in the summer when they can start to again go through the the bigger transition process, really, or where Gary Monk can properly put his stamp on it. I feel as if right now he's got to make do with what he has, uh, and they may be able to bring in a couple of new faces. That 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 pretty much seems where we're at, and we've seen Jordan Fornoy go, maybe another departure or two. I really think forward line wide, line wise, I think what needs to happen is they they, should, they need to bring someone in with pace. That as I said before, uh, and they could do with shipping out a Jordan Rhodes or a Sam Winnell, uh, and probably Jordan Rhodes. You would save uh, to save on his wages. Whether that be loan or permanent, I think that would be the ideal scenario for Wednesday right now. Would you be tempted to get rid of both of them? It depends on what offers they get. I, I think they they're still top heavy on strikers. They've still got five. You know, it's still looking like Fernando Forestieri isn't going to be returning to action anytime soon. It may be back in training next week, but I think you can forget about Fernando Forestieri playing in the next three or four matches at the very least. I think that's unrealistic. So at the moment, they've only got four forwards and Stephen Fletcher has come back from illness, lost a lot of weight. So is he 100% match fit? No. So unless they, they brought somebody in quickly, did some wheeling and dealing or whatever, or if there was strong interest, but that's what there has to be. That has to be interesting, Jordan Rhodes or Sam Winnell or other players in the squad. Yeah. And I think you know there was a mixed reaction to Fornley going. But they, they they probably had a fair bit of interest in Jordan Fornley, and you can't, you know, you can't. It's all very well saying, "Oh yeah, we need to ship out players, reduce the size of the squad." But if they're not getting interest in the players, then there's no decision to be made, is there? On on the subject of transfers, and we're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but but let's do it. Um, Thornley going, obviously, and I can really understand why some people have said, "Oh, I think it's a bit of a mistake." This because I've always thought that Thornley's done a fairly solid job. A fair point that he's maybe not doesn't seem to have developed at the pace that you'd maybe want someone to develop, and he has dropped down that 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 pecking order, um, and probably not going to get any game time soon if he wants to play football. And 
you know we've got we've got some kind of fee for 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 him and and that's you know that's going to be good and it's someone else off the off the wage bill and I, and I think from all Wednesday fans that John Thornley goes with the very best of wishes from from everyone associated with the club because I think he for for a little time he was a very uh, kind of like minor shining light in in a, a really bad period from the last um, couple of years. Um, other players, so there's this Jordan Rose to Celtic thing that's been knocking around for for a while, um, and kind of what you know everyone kind of keeps hearing on that is that there's just this issue about wages that this could be the sticking point for us moving Jordan Rhodes out, and it may actually be a sticking point for moving other players out is is a uh, is is wages. Um, I don't know what I think about this. I, I, there's this fear in the back of my head that we end up getting to the end of January and very little's changed. That there's not, you know, we've not moved out some of the players that we that we should do. Like we've got players that are out mm. of contract in the summer that really be thinking, let's, let's move them out now while we still get something for them and and actually just start this process of, you know, some of the players that have maybe just been around that little bit too long, as much as they've been great, and you can mm. probably guess some of the players I'm talking about here. That it's just time, and and we've just got to do it. You know, we've, we 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 it needs a new chapter. Uh, uh, wherever we are in the league, and quite rightly, people point out, you know, we're still seventh in the league. It's not the end of the world. Like we're still in with a shout of getting in the playoffs. But the last two or three games have highlighted the fact that there is something not fundamentally not right with this squad. Dress it up however you want. Th- this collection of players together, when the chips are down, it just isn't working. And that means we've just we've just got to move some players out, and we've got to get some new players in. And I'm really worried that it might not happen. It's going to stay. It needs freshening up. But going to repeat myself. It's easier said than done. Trying to have the big overhaul or to reshape the squad in January. January is not an easy market no, to work with. No, it's a with. rubbish window for trying to do widespread changes, isn't it? It's it, tweaking it is. here and there to get you over the line. Is yeah. is is the you know it's the old cliche saying, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and and this is it. If Wednesday didn't have the whole EFL charge thing hanging over them, uh, then I think people would be looking pretty positively at this January window, despite the run they're on. They'd be going, oh, you know what, if if they just added maybe two or three players, you you look at how wide open it is for the the playoff positions, people would be feeling very confident, thinking that Wednesday's got every chance of finishing in the top six. Uh, but it's this is it. There is maybe that malaise that we've seen at Hillsborough in the last two matches, and that is down to the potential punishment that could be looming on the horizon. Um, and also, I think it's it's the, maybe the style of play a little bit at times. What we've seen under Gary Monk, it, it maybe hasn't always been full throttle and as exciting. And it's not maybe been getting bums on seats as. Um, perhaps you know it, it's winning football a lot of the time. Yeah, we've ha- they've had the great wins at Middlesbrough, and Nottingham Forest, and uh, and Brentford at home, but they've still been a bit up and down. E- even when they've won matches, where you you thought they've sort of grounded out there, or it hasn't been really pleasing on the eye. So I I don't know. I mean, maybe I think that I feel as if that's probably. Uh, a contributing factor to to the sort of state of play right now. I kind of feel that that is the championship, though, isn't it? Yeah. That even I mean, we you know we beat Forest four nil, but it wasn't like we were just supremely better in every department of the pitch. It wasn't that kind of game. It was just one of those that everything that we hit went in. Yeah. Uh, or well, I mean, we could have had we could have had more. Um, but most games this season, you would say 
you know, they've been relatively tight, and this is going to be the story of the season. We're not, we're not going to turn a corner and just start, you know, walking over teams. That isn't going to happen. But the and and I think it does come back to this thing about character that we've talked about before. It's it's the character of the squad at the moment that I think is really costing us. And and I, how the hell you sort that out? I don't know. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, I'd imagine Gary Monk probably had a sleepless night last night. Sat up thinking, what do I do with with this? Because he's got players that just don't seem to respond to the kind of tactics as a manager that you. I'm not talking about football tactics, but the tactics as a manager that you would use to get results out of someone because they've just been there and and they just don't respond to that. And uh, I mean, I feel for him right now. I feel for what do you do to to sort this out? I just he's gone stale. In but it's it's going to take a number of windows. Things haven't moved on, have they? They haven't progressed. We were saying exactly the same things when Steve Bruce took over a year ago. It, it was exactly the same of where Steve Bruce is going to need two or three transfer windows minimum to put his own mark on on the club. The same is you know has to be said of Gary Monk. That's what he's going to need realistically. Uh, he's brought in yeah, only one of his own coaching staff so far, and he hasn't had a, you know hasn't made a signing yet. So I, I feel that's where you have to cut Gary Monk a fair amount of slack. I really do. That uh, I actually feel for, for Wednesday to be in seventh position, you know, he's done a very good job, and you know, and this is this is it really. This is the modern football of where. Two weeks ago, he could do no wrong after Bristol City and Wednesday a third and table. Now, after three defeats in a row, lots of questions are being asked. But that's the nature of the beast. And yeah, um, you look at. I will say this. So I mean, the positive for Wednesday is you look at after the Leeds fixture. It's a really kind period of or run of games. I would say by and large for the next couple of months. So. Uh, Wednesday've got every chance to. It can swing, can't it? We've seen it. Can. it. We, we've seen over Christmas. It's it's swung rapidly from one direction to the other, and it and it can swing back again. Um, uh, right, look, we're going to hear from Gary Monk, and, and I actually found um, you know a lot of what he said after the whole game really interesting. So um, let's get the views of Gary Monk. Not happy at all. Um, I think the overriding feeling is that it's been a it's been a poor week from us. Um, I think if you go back to the, the two weeks before, you know, a lot of positives, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good results, um, showing exactly what we're capable of. And then within a week, three defeats, of course, that's not good enough. Um, so obviously you feel angry about that and disappointed and, and all the emotions that you would feel and you expect. I think in this week, even though you know in this period a lot of things are marginal, but for me, we haven't done enough this week. We haven't done enough to get on the right side of those margins. And... Um, and that's been shown. It's the first time, you know, in terms of for myself with the group. It's definitely food for thought for me. It's the first time I've seen, as I said, I've seen exactly what they're capable of. And then this week I've seen exactly the other side of it. Um, and that always gives you f- food for thought as a manager in, in terms of what type of group you got. And um, the key now, and as I said it to him after, after the game, is now we will see. You know, we know what you're capable of. You know what you're capable of and what you can do. And we believe that you can do that. But to be successful and to be continuously winning and, and be in a situation where you can move forward as a, as an individual and as a team, you have to be able to do that week in, week out. In this, And I know how hard it is. Championship is hugely demanding, but if we want to get somewhere and we want to do something, 
that's the type of mentality and squad and everything that we need so um, yeah a lot of food for thought for me but we're collective and we lose together it's my responsibility as well but yeah actions speak a lot louder than words so we'll see the actions in, in the coming games they're a good group and um, but the demand to be successful um, is it has to be ferocious it has to be there every single day and it has to be there through difficult demanding periods of the season and um, this week I think we just fell short of that I think we haven't done enough to get on the right <laughs> side of those margins yes there's been some marginal games and whether you deserve to lose all three games probably not but the fact of it is we have and, but to be successful we need to a mentality and a drive and and that killer instinct has to be there all the time and unfortunately we've lacked that a little bit in this week but the flip side is they've shown they're capable of it and um, I don't have any doubt that they can come back and do that but it's been the first time I've seen this type of run or type of week and um, yeah it gives you a lot of food for thought Interesting stuff from um, from Gary Monk and he, he, he sounds a little bit kind of at odds with it all doesn't he and a little bit kind of ex- ex- exasperated if that's the the right word. I don't know if I made that up or not. Um, it, it is a it is a big job. He's, he's obviously got decisions to make ahead of uh, Brighton in the cup on Saturday. Uh, we've talked about cup stuff before. You kind of know my views on on the the cup, and I, I, I said this to my friend on um, whatever day the whole game was, and just said, look, for Brighton, just play just play all the kids, play all the academy team, because that entire squad needs a rest, because they just looked off the pace, so just change the entire 11, just play 11 different players we can lose 10-0 for all I care not not fussed about the, the Brighton thing, it just doesn't bother me, because then Leeds after that is such a big game, and we have to, that's where I want to see the response, I don't care what happens at, at, at Brighton um, and I know the cup does, it gets people going, and there'll be some people that really disagree with me on, on that, but Having seen uh, several very lethargic performances from this, and it's a word I've got to use, ageing Sheffield Wednesday squad, I think a week and a half off is is what they they need. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with you, and actually I'd be quite interested to see some of the youngsters really maybe get an opportunity, perhaps an Alex Hunt or Connor Grant, um, maybe David Bates might get a, a, a chance. Joey, pa- yeah. Is he alive? Yeah. <laughs> you enjoyed that, didn't you, on New Year's Day? Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did, um, I did tweet David Bates himself to yeah. ask whether he was uh, alive. On the basis of, if he replies, then he is. If he doesn't, then he's not. And he didn't, so I, I'm not sure. I, I need he's Carlos Cavalial to, um, to to tell me whether or not he's alive. That's the only way I'll be. No, he only does that with Glenn Leuven. <laughs> you know that, James. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah you would Lee, think that bits would come in. Yeah, you, Kieran Lee, Jerry Pelipesi. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 you know, I think that Brighton will make, no doubt, seven or eight changes. And Wednesday probably won't be too far off that themselves. Chance for Joe Wildsmith. Yeah, he's he's back. Been on the bench for a few a few games. Um, question off the back of that, by the way, Kieran Westwood is there an injury there? Still has, yeah, shoulder problem. Okay. Um, I think he may be back in training next week. Okay, but yeah, uh, I I can't see him being involved uh, at Brighton. Plus, Wednesday have Paul Jones as well as Cameron Dawson, so they're not sure to go. He's alive as well. He's alive right, as well. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I wouldn't even know what it looked like to be honest. If we walked past me in the street, <laughs> I can't lie about that. Um, we and we've got. Um, oh, I've completely forgot his name. Um, fullback that had an injury earlier in the season, not played for ages. 
Not Moses Odomasher. Not Odomasher. Ash Baker, you mean? Ash Baker, Baker, yeah. Ash Baker, yeah, possibly. Give him a run out. Like we just, I think we just need. I honestly think eleven changes and the bench change the whole bench as well, um, and just get everyone in training and just work through what the heck is going wrong, and do it for ten days solid. Just spend ten days just working on stuff and concentrate on that on that Leeds game. Yeah, I, I suppose though. I t- <laughs> I will also look at it and go. Wednesday they could do a result though. To you don't really want them to suffer a fourth successive defeat to going into Leeds. Uh, but if it's not, know, the they same don't player, want to replay. I know, but it's still sort of confidence and spirit around the camp and place. And and if you know, they should be viewing Brighton as an opportunity to progress, knowing that it's not top of their priority list. Brighton, they will field a weakened side. True. So, fourth round, we saw what happened last year with Chelsea. But, uh, le- but all right, let me give you an alternative scenario here. We play pretty much our full strength team and still lose. We lose a fourth game in in a row with a full strength. Oh, I'm not team. suggesting for one minute play um, the strongest possible team, but uh, maybe a mix and match. Uh, I still think it would be good for Wednesday to go to Brighton, score a few goals. Hopefully get through. You make it sound so. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm up for yeah, that. Let's go, Brad. Let's score a few would, goals. Yeah. But yeah. we've got to actually do it. it. And, and yeah. we've not. We've not. Our strikers have not scored a single goal over Christmas. No. Well, obviously, we're going to go to Brighton well, and just suddenly start. You never know. Scoring. Adam Reach might score. Will do. He's due one. He is. He is due one. But. Or Jacob I, I, you know, Murphy we, we all acknowledge the fact that at the moment the Adam Reach that we're watching play football is not the Adam Reach that we're used to. You know, he's he's not right at the moment. Jacob Murphy, <clears throat> Jekyll and Hyde. You know, which yep. Jacob Murphy do you do you get? And I don't necessarily oppose to maybe playing Jacob Murphy against Brighton because maybe he needs a bit of football. But what if if then we get? You know, if he goes to a Brighton has a great game and we play him against Leeds and he looks tired, then th- that's not that's not good enough. And and I, all I'm bothered about is that Leeds game. No, I get we've that. Got, know, we've got we've got to go I, there. I we need eleven around. players who are at a hundred percent fitness. A lot of Wednesday fans will then go, okay, yeah, this has been very hectic. This will be the fifth match in in two weeks that the team will have played. But after Brighton, there is a week then to prepare for Leeds. And in fact, there's no midweek matches. Assuming it doesn't go to a replay, there'll be no midweek matches until middle of February. So Wednesday will have plenty of time to work on things on the training ground. Uh, and I don't know. I think some people will still go, uh, the professional footballers, they should be able to play and handle playing five matches in two weeks. And yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you are right. They should, but we've we've got to deal with what we've got. And for me, that that was the real thing that just stood out in that whole performance was just how completely lethargic it was. And it's like, right, it no, if if you don't play them against Brighton, then there's no excuse. You can't use that as an excuse. It was like so a week and a half then to recover. Do you know what I've take going out of the cup this weekend? Uh, if whatever team Wednesday field deliver a much improved performance. I actually feel like the performance may be at least then that gives them something to build on going into Leeds where they're going to be huge underdogs. Uh, so I, 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 I just going I, off the back of they don't want to go into Leeds 
having lost and played poorly again, even though nothing really is going to be expected from them at Brighton this weekend uh, with maybe, them being maybe, in the Premier maybe this League. this just reflects badly on me, but I, I just don't care. I don't care about Brighton. I don't care about that cup game. It just doesn't feel like um, we... We're in. We're in a. Whatever happens this season, we're in a situation. We're either, you know, knocking on the doors of the playoffs, and yeah, we've had th- three bad results and probably four fairly bad performances in a row now. Uh, but we are still. We're in with a shout, or you know, depending what happens with the EFL, we're in a relegation battle. Like we've you know, this this season is is still going to be significant in some way or another. Uh, and that's the only thing that I really that I really care about. And it and the, the the worry I do worry about playing you know our, our kind of first choice eleven and them not performing at Brighton. And and that's why I just think the safest thing to do is just change the whole job lot. But I think I say this pretty much every cup game, so it's 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 probably you know it's it's no different. You broke to, record yeah. to normal. I just I'm just not fussed about cup competitions. Um, all right, cool. In terms of the EFL charge stuff, um, we've it's been a while since we um, since we recorded, and I think we've had another statement since, didn't we, from uh, from from the club, which didn't say a kind of a huge amount, but we now know there's this arbitration process that's that's going to happen first. It sort of feels between the lines that the club may be just trying to drag this out for as long as possible before there's kind of like a a, a conclusion to it all um, and it's going to be a while I think before we have anything more concrete isn't it it's not it's not going to be resolved I, when this first came up there was a bit of talk actually it might, it might be resolved before Christmas it might be resolved within the calendar year it's, it's not going to be any time soon no uh, and the arbitration process well that's it it's, it slows everything down in the sense that if Wednesday are unsuccessful with the hearing and don't get the unlawful EFL charge thrown out it will then go to the independent disciplinary commission that's my understanding uh so yeah we it will drag on if wednesday but then saying that if wednesday were successful then um at the hearing arbitration then in theory it, it could be thrown out and that could be the end of it or you know, it, it would look a little bit uh silly really if the arbit panel rules in their favour and then the EFL I don't see how they can press ahead with the disciplinary commission so uh, yeah but maybe that could be a bit of a pipe dream but the fact is that Wednesday feel they've got a very strong case as do the EFL so it's like two balls colliding it is, it is. Uh, right, on to our opinions. So it feels like a, a long time ago, but um, last time we um, at length debated uh, who should be in the shortlist for um, the midfield maestro of the decade. Uh, Barry Bannon won that by a, a bit of a landslide, to be fair. I think it was, I can't remember how much it was, but it was it was um, by, by a long, long way. Uh, which brings us then to Stryker. So um, there were obviously two strikers in my team of the decade. So I, I think we'll probably agree that these two go onto the shortlist. So Stephen Fletcher, Gary Hooper. Um, I want to throw another name in there. And I, I I think this is allowed, but Connor Wickham, who's a lone player, played for no. us twice, scored a cracking amount of goals in the second loan spell. So I want to throw his name into the mix. You can throw it into the mix, but it's not he's not going in the team. Well, we can have a shortlist of four, can't we? So, four 
shortlist of four strikers. He can be on the shortlist, but right. he's he's not in the final team. So that means we've got one more space on the shortlist, so you can, you can pick someone else. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just really given this a lot more thought earlier. Now, I think we decided last time, didn't we, that Forgetary was on the right. We did shoehorning him in. Yeah, we're shoehorning him into our team. So, um, actually, striker-wise, then, uh, I'm trying to think, really, from the last 10 years, of uh, other options. I mean, you've. Had, I think, actually, you'd have... I think Neil Mellor would count. Yes, Neil Mellor would. Actually, uh, yeah, Neil Mellor... The still and last you've also man. got Gary Medine, goal machine, washing machine. Um, I would say Neil Mellor was more impressive than Gary Medine in when you look at... Neil Mellor scored 20 goals in the season, and still, by the way, the last man to do that for Wednesday, uh, in a team that finished mid-table, struggled, had two managers in Alan Irvin and Gary Megson. Uh, whereas actually Gary Medine banged in, I think, 18 the year after it, and played a huge role in Wednesday, of course, pipping United to second spot and going up. But he played with better players, uh, from Ben Marshall, that midfield of Chris Lyons, Jose Semedo, uh, the defence, Lera, Rob Jones. Uh, it was a good team. Bywater in goal, O'Grady up front. Um, so they were in much better shape. That's taking nothing away from Gary Medine. To be honest with you, thinking about it, I put Gary Medine in there over Connor Wickham on the short list, the final four. Yes. Yes, what? It's got, well, you, well, you're just <laughs> dining on six goals for Connor Wickham or seven goals. He, had a, he, he did, had a very he good loan. He didn't, he didn't yeah. play very much for us, but no, that he had second a very loan spell, he was absolutely yeah. no, he was phenomenal. Mate, he was, yeah, he's a, he, he was very, very good. Um, but in a short period of time, Gary Medine did it over the course of a season. You have to, I'm sorry, you have to put Medine in there. No, I'm not you do. That. No, you're... You're basing on... He, you know, Connor Wickham had some very this, good We're going to put this to a Twitter vote. Who's going to vote for Gary Medine? He's hated by Wednesday fans now. Yeah, maybe by you. And that's why you want to put Connor Wickham on the show. I want to put Connor but Wickham because he's a better no, player. I, but you're going off who's do, who did more for Wednesday. Who did more for Wednesday? Well, that doesn't uh, really on, based matter, does on it? Because no. Connor Wickham was at championship level. Yeah. Gary Medine was banging in goals, but it was at League yeah. One level. Never did sorry, it in the championship. Sorry, in, in the last 20 years, right... Is that promotion season one of the most memorable campaigns that yes. Wednesday had? Right. So who led the line And if Gary Medina not tainted Who scored the goals? <laughs> right? Then no, maybe it would no, be different. You can't but take all that, that away stuff from comes him. into, comes into account. Him. No, I'm afraid, mate, Gary Medine would be ahead of Conor Wickham. It would be. Conor Wickham would be, would be fifth. He would be. Conor Wickham, how many goals did he score? He didn't. It's like the same. Do you want to throw in Kenwin Jones as well? It's not just a stats game. Let's throw in Kenwin Jones. He wasn't in the decade, though, was he? Well, all right, then. No, fair point. But you know what I mean? That's what you're essentially going off of, Conor Wickham. You are, though, right? So, Conor Wickham, okay, he's he's delivered in a higher league in in a struggling team. And he was a better player. Well, over the course of his career, he was played in the Premier League more than, you know, of course. That's, that's but he did more for Wednesday in the Championship no, than Gary Medine did I'm go, We're level. going off the last 10 years. Who, who, right. I'm going to let you have the final call on it because you get all the stick. So, your shortlist. My shortlist. Your shortlist. Is Medine by Dom over Conor Wickham. 
It would be. No, I know where the Wednesday fans will obviously vote for Wickham. I, I know that. I know that. But And I know it's yeah, controversial. We'll, we'll go, so we're going. No, we're will. going. Stephen Fletcher, I'll, I'll, Gary Hooper. It will be a landslide in Wickham's favour. I know it will be. Neil Mellor and Gary Medine. I know it will be, but I'm, I'm going off stats. And I know Peter Lohman, who will be listening to this, Peter Lohman would be with me on this as well. He'll he'll be starting a Twitter thread as we speak when he listens to this. I know he will, but I, I, as a stats man himself, he'd back me up on this, that you have to put in the shortest of four. By the way, we're debating all this. He's not in the final two. It would be Gary Hooper and Stephen Fletcher. Well, it would, yeah. But we, yeah, that it's certainly, for, I think, for the vast majority of Wednesday fans, if you're picking a team of the decade, that they're going to be the, the, two. the two. Yeah. But we've had four on the shortlist for every other position, so yeah. we're going to have four on the shortlist for for attacker. And you've you've stamped your feet, you've made your noise, and that four is Fletcher, Hooper, Mella, Medine. Yep, All I'm right. happy with that. On your head, be it. Uh, it will be. I know. Fine. Um, if you, uh, by the way, if you if you want to make a protest vote. Uh, and simply reply to the tweet just with the word Wickham, then that is fine. Uh, right, you can catch Dom at Dom House and I'm at James Marriott. You can contact the show at Dom and James. And thank you to our gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk or on Twitter at Taito Law. That's just about it. Thank you for joining us. As ever, let us have your feedback on the show. We do appreciate your reviews. Please subscribe to us for free in your podcast app of choice to get the new episode every week. Up the owls and see you next week. <laughs>